Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you. And Lord, we are so glad to be here. Amen. We're glad to have each one that's here. We are grateful, Lord, for just everything that you have showered on us. The freedom that we have to meet. Lord, we know there's people without that freedom. And they are also meeting today in the in, uh, in, in the, your fear and in your spirit, by the power of your spirit. And Lord, there's we, we lift them up in prayer. And we mm-hmm. trust that they are lifting us up in prayer. And we ask you to build your kingdom this morning all through this world, knowing that this world and its desires pass away, but he that does the will of God abides forever. So, Father, we want to do your will and abide forever. Help us to do that. and Help this next hour or so that we have together to be pleasing to you. I pray for Brother Mike as he shares. I pray that you'd anoint him with your Holy Spirit, especially during this time as he shares and and anoint our ears that we could hear. Also, be with our time afterward as we gather for uh, a baptism, witness these two young women who have who are committing themselves to you. Lord, I pray that you would you would just let that be a powerful witness, Lord, that you would take them and use them in your kingdom Mm -hmm. and the fellowship meal and just everything through this day. May you be pleased, Lord, to come and visit us. Thank you, God, for this gathering. Once again, I just pray for Brother Mike as he shares and us as we hear. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you, brother. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everybody. It's been a blessing to be here. Been a, uh, just a blessing to to hear what's been shared, to sing the songs, and uh, once again, I know you hear me say this a lot, but man, God is good. He's good to us all the time, and uh, we don't deserve His goodness. It just makes Him all the better, all the more wondrous, and uh, so. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm here this morning just a little fear and trembling thinking, Lord, I want this to come out right and be a blessing. And uh, sometimes I get a whole lot of emotions and thoughts going through me and, I, and, I, and I've got all these, these, this a good passion that wants to come out and minister. And I think, Lord, how do I do this? I don't know. And and then I think, well, maybe that's not a bad place to be. You know, I, I heard one time, many years ago, a pastor made the statement that uh, if you're not nervous before and when you get up to preach the Word of God, then you better check your heart. It ought to put us into fear and trembling. Okay, maybe I'm not in such a bad place then. So we'll thank the Lord. heard a little, I've got a burden on my heart, and uh, forgive me, most of you that know me sometimes know that sometimes I can't help it. I just start crying, and it comes out, and I'm afraid this might be one of those as well, so bear with me. We'll see. Uh, Saw a short little bit of a message this past week. Pastor was uh, relaying 
to his congregation some statistics from surveys that he had been sent out there. Among, this was amongst evangelicals, which, you know, by definition, classification, whatever you want to put it, okay, we're a little different, but in a way we're not, okay? In a way we're not. So let's not take away the classifications and let's just lay ourselves on an even plane with everybody that's in the kingdom of God. Because if someone's been born again who's in a Baptist church this morning, they're our brother and sister. They are. Even the Pentecostals. Praise the Lord. But this this uh, pastor was he was troubled at the results of this survey. He said, "If evangelicals." Question was asked: If the Bible is not the Bible is not literally true. Fifty-five percent agreed. That's over half. Question was asked: Or is everybody born innocent? And I took it as without a sinful nature. Sixty-five percent. question was asked, God accepts worship from other religions. 56%. And this pastor, probably the most, one that stood out to him the most, that was just striking, was Jesus was a good teacher, but not God. 43%. Then he made a point. This past, he said the last 30 years, I would beg to differ a little bit. I would probably say more like the last 60 years. He said, we've been busy trying not to offend people and be offensive. And so, you preach a little different watered-down gospel that's some people would say make it uh, user-friendly. And we wonder, how did we get where we are? How did we get where we are? What? And, and so we come up with our own theology, man's theology, man's religions. And this pastor made a point, and I happen to agree with him, he He said, um, any type of a man-made religion will automatically become a works religion. Okay. It declares that we're not that bad. We can do something and be good enough to where God, whoever He is, will let us in. 
And what that does to this word, it takes man and makes him just a little bit better than what this declares that he is. And it takes God and drops him down a little bit and makes him a little bit less than what this says he is. We're not that bad. We, we can do some things, and some would say you can have your own earth and universe and populate your own earth, and, and uh, you can become a god. Or if, you know, if, if you're good enough, you, you fulfill all the requirements here, there. Um, you know, another example would be I... I pretty quite certain that all the pilots that were flying those airplanes on 9-11 were convinced that by doing what they were doing, committing suicide for the cause of Allah, will guarantee they will get to be with Allah. And I think we all know now that, oh my, were they ever rudely awakened. The problem with all this is that you declare you can be good enough. You're, you're not that bad. But then all of a sudden, you have to be good enough. And can you, can you make it? You still have to be good enough. And deep down inside in the depths of our heart and our consciousness, I can't help but think that there's something in there that says, I can't be good enough. I don't measure up. I just, I can't make it. That's the truth. That's the Spirit of God doing His work of conviction on someone, declaring to them, you can't make it. You'll never be good enough. You need the blood of the Son of God to wash you from your sin. That's the only thing. And so, yeah, we can make something that declares us not to be as bad as what we really are and decide we can be good enough. But then we've got to be good enough. And we, we can't make it. And so, and you wonder why. I, I tried to find some statistics. I had a hard time finding it. And then I realized, eh, it's not that surprising. And I don't mean to speak derogatory towards anybody who was in the Mormon church. But I will speak derogatory about their theology. It's, it's wrong. It's not right. And I do... I've heard, maybe some of you have as well, it's a works religion. You can, the young men, you can be good enough and you can have your own, you can be your own God and have everything and all this, but you've got to be good enough. And so when you dig a little bit into some statistics there, you find out there's a high suicide rate of young people that's there. Because they realize, I can't be good enough. They say I can be, but I, I can't seem to get there. 
What's the purpose? And they faint. It's a word that's been on my heart lately. Fainting. But I've also been pondering this in light of all what I've just shared right here. And I've had to ask myself the question. Something for maybe all of us to chew on. Especially us older ones. Do I do the same thing sometimes? With my own children? Do I set an expectation that you've got to make it? You've got to be here without realizing it. Shame on me if I have. Placing expectations on our young people especially. We've got to live a certain way. It's expected. Is there an attitude that comes out that says, and you'll be okay? I still ponder. You preached it, I think, about a year ago. The story of the Mennonite lady on her deathbed. Someone asked her, are you okay? Are you ready to die? And the response was, I've been a good Mennonite all my life. I have not forgotten that. Yes, God help us. But I've had to ask myself, have I done that? Good intentions, they may be good intentions. But I've said this before. (laughs) Interesting children's lesson we got today. Quick, Quick to hear, slow to speak. As I look back over the last 25 years or so, if there's anything I could have changed, whether it's being a dad or a pastor, I wished I'd been a better listener. And I wish I would have granted the young people that God had put in my care the freedom to work through life, to work through questions, to struggle, and not come with an attitude that says, you just got to buck up in the church, you'll be fine. That's not the answer. It's like we heard earlier. They need to know Jesus in here intimately. And like you said, if that's in place, we can trust. That's another thing I've had to learn. I'm, I'm, I don't know that I have yet. Us older people, we need to learn to trust God with our young people and with everybody for that matter. Do you think that He is able to lead and guide our children? We nod our head, yes, He is. Do our children believe that we believe that? Ooh, ask Him. See, I fear that be one of the reasons why we've seen 
lot of young people, and I don't, you pick whatever church you want, evangelical, plain, however plain you want to get. I just wonder if, uh, you know, we've not granted them that, that freedom to just wrestle through life, to grant them the freedom to have questions, to wonder, to ponder, say, Dad, I don't, I don't get it. Pastor, brother, I don't, I don't get it. Can you help me here? And it's okay to have good discussions on good, sound doctrine. That's very important. But you can have all the sound doctrine in the world, and if you don't know Jesus in here, you're lost. I shared this story once before. It's been some years ago, so I think it's worth sharing again. Many years ago, when I was in probably high school, there was a big boxing match being advertised. The heavyweight championship fight between a man, uh, Muhammad Ali, you've probably heard that name, if you have, and a man named George Foreman. And uh, Foreman was the champion at the time. Ali had spent some time in jail, in prison, I think, where he'd converted to Islam and got out. And I think he refused to go to the Vietnam War, something like that. I don't remember all the details. It doesn't matter. But he got out and got back into the boxing realm. And I remember that fight. George Foreman was, was, was a fighter that would go out just swinging and just pound his opponent into, into the floor. And they wouldn't last probably two rounds, and they were done. That was it. And Ali, was, uh, he was very braggadocious. He was very arrogant, very arrogant. I'm the best. I'm the best. I'm the best. He'd say it. And what was more aggravating is that when it came down to it, he really was the best. But he was more of a strategic fighter. And Foreman went out there, true to his nature, just swinging away, swinging, swinging, swinging. Man, he just swinging them arms, and Ali just backed up into a corner, and he just kind of, you know, he kind of fought him off. And he was very smart. He let Foreman just get absolutely wore out. And along about the eighth or ninth round, when Ali could see, he's shot. He's ready to faint, if you will. And he went in, put him down, just like that. And he won. I wonder sometimes. I'm giving us some things to chew on. I know it's pretty heavy duty. But I want you guys to make it. And if all we do is give you sound teaching and sound doctrine, it's good. I don't apologize. I'm grateful to God for that. But if that's the best that we do, 
We've given you enough to go out there like George Foreman, just swing and swing and swing and swing and swing and swing and swing, and the devil's going to you get. You might think you're making headway, and all of a sudden, and we and we step back and say, "What happened? What has happened? Do you know Jesus? If you don't." You will faint. It can be a challenge enough to stand indeed for truth. And it can be a lonely place. And there will be times where temptation to be weary and wore out. And we're given scriptures in the last days that the devil will come to wear out the saints. It's not easy. But there is a way. It's walking day by day close to Him. It's knowing Him. Walking with Him. And... Man, and we as the, the older brethren just, we've somehow got to give them the freedom to walk through life and trust God with them. And, and uh, man, I tell you, when, when I was a pastor there, I, I had to get some wake-up calls, especially with young people getting married. You know, I had this ideal, and I was, subconsciously, I was thinking they need to be 25 years ahead of where they are. And the Lord said, no, they don't. They are They are right where they are. Can you give them a chance right from right where they are? Come on. And I had to back up and say, yes, I'm sorry, God. How many of you here are 25 years further along than where you think you want to be? Nobody. Not even me. I'm, not, I'm probably going to be... Well, no. I'm, I, nobody is. We're not 25 years further. That will happen 25 years from now, right? So why would I want somebody to be 25 years further ahead from where they are right now? Does Jesus work that? He lets everybody start the day right where they are, right where you are. He meets you right where you are today, right now. With all the problems and all the things and all the issues you have in your life, He'll meet with you today. He loves you and longs to commune with you and to fellowship with you. He delights in it, as a matter of fact. It brings Him joy when you come to Him and fellowship with Him. He's more happy than you can be. Thank you. Praise the Lord. But my, my burden is... 
that we could help each other along our path, meet each other right where we are, accept each other right where we are. Man, I've had older people do that with me, and I needed it. And I look back now and I think, man, they were patient with me. They could see all kinds of error that I had in my mind going on and uh, had, that had to get corrected. And people were just patient and loving and gentle. Kind of like the, the coach I had when I learned how to swim. I was deathly afraid of the water. 19 years old, I had to learn how to swim if I was going to graduate from college, though, because I was a phys ed major. And uh, that teacher... Man, he was a master. He knew he couldn't leave me where I was. He had to push me along. But he knew that he couldn't push me too much. Because I'd back up, seize up, get afraid, and never get back in that pool again. He was a master. It's just like Jesus. He knows just how much to push you along, how to guide you, how to lead you. And at the same time, through all that, we still need to not be weary in well-doing. And I think about this concept of God's people were instructed to not be weary in well-doing, for in due season ye shall reap, if, big if, if we faint not. And it's a burden because I see, and I know everybody sees, a lot of believers that become weary. And they faint. Who hasn't become weary? Anybody? Along your path. We all have. Thank God God didn't give up on us. Thank God we had people that didn't give up on us. But the fact is, they're still, they're still there. i got a feeling there's probably some in here right now that are weary. And you know you need to carry on and walk with God. It's a big test. It's one of the biggest tests someone will ever go through. And I bring up all this stuff ahead of time to try and give us a warning to say, let's not make people weary. Let's not be an agent that causes them to faint. Rather, let's be that river of living water so that when they're around us, they get encouraged and they get life. That's God's will. Rivers flowing out of us. Rivers of living water. Rivers of life. The Spirit of God. I want to be one of those where people come around and say, man, you just get lifted up. Not feeling torn down or, or criticized or condemned. But yet at the same time, we are. Proverbs 24.10, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. We've got to help each other to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His mind. And not tear them down. 
And to have faith in God that he, he will complete the work in the ones that we love. I, I can't do it. He has to do that. How do we help? How do you help yourself to keep from fainting? Turn to Psalm 46, if you would. Psalm 46. I'm going to read. It's not a long one. little side story here, just because this is kind of special to me. When we lived in Cheyenne, and uh, you've heard me talk about this uh, boy, Jesse Hosteller, that died of brain cancer when he was 11 years old, I think. There, it was quite a journey for our little church body to walk through that. Uh, Who we man? It's amazing how God is the master at taking something that seems so sad to us, and He brings forth something good out of it. Man, He brought a lot of good out of this little boy's death. <laughs> you say what? That's a kind of a dichotomy. It is, but that's that's how God is. Anyway, we're in the hospital. I think it was his second surgery. They, he had brain cancer. They removed it, and it came back. And so he went back for a second surgery, and there was a group of us from our church that were there in Denver Children's Hospital. And just to be there while he's having his surgery, just to be a support to the family and to pray together and... Uh, I'm just sitting on this bench there in the waiting room, and this lady walks up to me. She's an employee of the hospital there. I don't remember what she was, but she just says, I'm not supposed to do this, but I just feel led. She said to me, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And then she walked off. Wow, God bless you. I mean, that just blessed me. And she said it to me. I guess I needed it more than anybody else, and that's fine. But I just thought, God bless you, sister. Praise the Lord. So that's just a little side note for Psalm 46. Let's read it. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled. Though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early, the city of God he's talking about, which is us. God will help her. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow, he cutteth the spear in sunder, he burneth the chariot in the fire. In all this, then he says, be still and know that I am God. God saying this directly to us, to you. Be still and know that I am God. 
I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Be still and know that I am God. It seems something that is so contrary to our nature. And yet that's the way we really get to know Him. Sit down. Be still. Fret not. Remember, God is saying, I am God. I'm your God. How do you do that? That's a good question. Be still. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him. I've been pondering that word as well, sharing with Brother Jeremy here. I've been pondering those two words, fainting and waiting. word wait here in Lamentations. Interesting. Patient. Be patient to tarry. To gather. To look. Have your to be looking. Someone that's looking in anticipation for something. You can say they're waiting for something. They're they're what are they waiting for? Hopefully we're waiting on and for God. To see Him. To know Him. To reveal Himself to them. So that I can know Him more intimately. Wait. Oh Lord, it is... The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him. Those that are still and knowing and trusting no matter what you're going through, no matter if you're feeling the, a, a, a pressure, even in your own church, that you've got to measure up, even in the midst of all that, you can be still. You can wait and look in anticipation. He will be there. He is God, and He's letting you know that personally. I'm God, He said. Be still. Sit at my feet. You know the story between Mary and, and Martha. Mary just wanted to sit at the feet of Jesus. And Martha was just cumbered about. She was not being still. She was not, she was waiting in a different way. 
But she wasn't still anticipating to just hear what he had to say to her. And Jesus rebuked Martha. You're so cumbered and about with so many things. Mary hath chosen the good part. Interesting how he worded it that way. To just sit at the feet of Christ. That doesn't mean that we, we don't go to work. We don't do the things that we have to do. We don't just become irresponsible in daily living. But all the while, your heart, your spirit, is just sitting at His feet. Lord, I just want to show me something this morning. I got a busy morning this morning. I don't whatever it is you're doing, show me something, Lord. I just want to know you a little deeper by noon than when I got up this morning. Is that okay to say? We have a good example in King Saul of someone that ju- just could not sit still and trust God. Samuel didn't show up when he was supposed to. Let's make an offering to the Lord. We've got to seek the Lord. We've got to know what to do here. He got anxious. He fretted. He didn't trust God. It cost him. cost him a lot. cost him his testimony. Look at the testimony of that man. 3,000 years later, roughly, we still have it. A testimony that none of us want to have. I hope none of us want to have that. But it cost him because he simply would not be still and wait on God. He got anxious. We've got to do something here. Anybody ever wrestle with that? You've got something big, important. I'll share a little story with you. Some of you may know this. I'm not going to mention his name. He's a good friend of mine. Some of you may know who he is. Was seeking God whether or not to uh, get a loan from a bank to go into business for himself. And they had a deadline. And he and his wife, if the bank does not call, they were waiting on the bank. They don't call us by, I think, 10 o'clock this particular morning. Then we're going to know that the answer is no. And 10 o'clock came around, no call. Well, guess what? It's about 10.15. He would tell you, they reasoned amongst themselves. Well, 10 o'clock, 10.15, I mean, what? All said and done, he lost that business. It cost him a lot. Because he had waited, and God gave him the answer. He said, God spoke to us. We should have listened. We waited. Nothing happened. So we knew what the answer was. But then, oh, just off to the side. Well, you know, it's not. It's okay. It's okay. We're just a little bit late. 
Be still. And when God gives you that clear direction, know that that is His will. Those are the things when we begin when we begin listening to these little voices over here and over here. If we're not careful, they're going to lead us down one path. And it will be guaranteed you will faint. You will faint from your faith. <clears throat> Stay at his feet, listen to his voice. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not thyself because of Him who prospereth in His way. I thought it was worded like this originally. Fret not thyself because of the politicians who prosper in their way. Because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. But rather, fret not but rather... Rest in the Lord and wait patiently. Sit at His feet. Wait for Him. He knows what He's doing. Now, yes, true. Sometimes I admit my heart wants to get tempted and say, Lord, do you know what you're doing? I know He does. But when things don't go the way I want them to go, then that temptation is to ask the question, oh, come on, this isn't what I wanted. Well, guess what? That's not going to be the last time that happens. But wait on the Lord and keep His way. He shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. I don't think he's just talking about Literal ground. He's, he's talking bigger things than that. Wait on the Lord. Keep His way. He shall exalt thee to inherit the land. The land of the kingdom of God. That kind of land. To give you the kingdom. It is His good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And to have your eyes opened up. But if you fret and you get uptight like Saul, even in the midst of your fire and your weariness of your trial, you're going to miss it. Don't miss it. Be still and know that He's God. Wait on the Lord and keep His way. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently. Sit at His feet. He's got an answer to every question you have. Psalm 27. You could flip over to that one at the end of the psalm. Psalm 27. It's a good one. I just was reading out of Psalm 37 there. Psalm 27. I'll start at verse 11. It says, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies. For false witnesses are risen up against me, such as breathe out cruelty. I love that part of the Lord's Prayer. Lead me not into lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
I'm glad he put that. I, I pray that one a lot. Deliver me from evil, Lord. I need it. Then he says, verse 13, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. He says, I had fainted. Unless I had believed. Big key right there. If there's anything, you know, the devil is going to attack your faith. He despises it. He hates it. The more God's people have faith in him, the more he hates it. The more God delights in it, he joys over it, the more he hates it. Because the more glory and honor he gets. So he's going to try and attack your faith to bring you to the point where you faint. But he says here, I had fainted. I would have fainted, David says, unless I had believed. Big difference between David and Saul. In the midst of his fire, his trials, admitting, I'm, I'm capable of fainting, of falling down and losing faith in God, but I still believe, I just, something inside of him just knew he's there. I don't see him right now. It's difficult. I don't like it. I don't like life right now, but I know he's there. That simple belief will help keep you from fainting. I had fainted unless I had believed. That's just chew on that little statement right there. But he believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And again, let's let's look at it on a bigger picture here. The goodness of the Lord in his own kingdom. The goodness of God poured out to his people as they enter in Deeper and deeper into his kingdom. Then he says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Conditional. You want your heart strengthened? Do we want our hearts strengthened? We've got to wait. We've got to wait on him. We've got to sit at his feet and wait. And Lord, speak to me. I just want to, I just want to walk with you today. Speak to me. Help me. I want to hold your hand as I go through this day, through this week, through this fire, whatever it might be. Wait, I say on the Lord, he says. He will be there for you. When you're tempted to be weary, when you're tempted to faint, that word, I looked up these words. I looked them up in the Webster's as well because I, I get curious. It's, it's good. The word wait. To stay in place in expectation. Waiting on God. Staying in place in expectation. To faint means 
weak and dizzy, lacking courage and cowardly. He will make you stronger as you by faith still believe and not fear. It's a temptation to be weary and I know that. But keep believing. Keep sitting at His feet. Even if you don't understand, you can't see Him. Where are you at, Lord? He's there. He said He'd never leave you or forsake you. His promises are, are true. He cannot lie. He's there. And as you by faith walk through, your heart will be strengthened. You may not feel it. When I was a sophomore in high school, I had a basketball coach. He worked our tails off. Man, that guy. And... We'd run sprints. First thing we did was, okay, start running laps around the outside of the gym with your hands up. Run laps with your hands up. Keep going. Come on. And then if you had a foul during a game, you, you had to run two sprints for every foul that you had. So if you fouled out, and I did a few times, five fouls, ten sprints. Oh, we whined and cried and moaned. Come on, coach. But you know what? We were in good shape. And then about halfway through the season, we started bragging. Oh, you guys are wimps. Our coach, he makes us run. We're in better shape than you guys are. So, replace whining with pride. That's neither one's right, but... But we were in good shape. We won a a fair bit of games that season too. But we were stronger as a result of the testings that he put us through. He knew what was good for us. I'm going to get you guys in shape. We got a mission here. We want to win basketball games. And we want a bunch that year. Ah, it wasn't fun during the workouts. But it was helpful in the end results. A lot of similarities there. You may be running laps with your hands up in the air. Lord, I don't understand what's going on. It's okay. It's okay. Trust me. Trust me. Wait for me still. Be still in your heart. While you're going through this fire, this trial that you don't understand, why is this happening? He'll probably never tell you why. And if he does, it's only going to be after you've come through shining more brightly for him. Then you'll understand, oh, I see now, Lord. I see what you were doing. And you can say, Lord, that hurt. That was hard. He says, I know. It's okay. I don't condemn you for shedding the tears and being weary and being tired. It's just 
He doesn't do that. He understands. He went through it himself. He'll never do that. Did, did, he, did he criticize Lazarus' sibling, Mary and Martha, when everybody was crying there? And he wept with them. Oh, he's so compassionate. Blows my mind away sometimes. Don't deserve it. Yeah, he knows when you're going through that, that fire that is hot. And you just about give anything to get out of it because it's not fun. He's got a purpose behind it. Trust him. Stay at his feet. Continue to wait on him. Stay there. You're going to know him more intimately when you get on the other side. And you're going to say, wow, this is worth it. I can't believe the things that God opened up my eyes to. I never knew. I never realized. Oh, it's precious. Knowing Him more intimately and more deeply, there's, there's no more precious thing on earth than to know Christ, know Him closely, know Him intimately. It's way deeper than any kind of a... Uh, how do I want to say it? When you know Him like that, like you mentioned before, all the other things just take care of themselves. He changes your heart towards your things, your possessions, towards people. I read a quote here this past week. The strongest people are the ones who are still kind after the world tore them up. See, that's what God wants to do with you. Send you through the fire, yes. Through the trial, that's not fun. But if you'll come out on the other side, still loving people, still loving Him and loving people, and having compassion for them, that's fruit that God delights in. More compassion. More mercy. More love. Your love for God will be, will be seen by your love for people. And when you go through, when the world tears you up, when people tear you up, and you come out on the other side, and you still love them, and pray for them, and want to bless them, that's not easy. It's not. Let's face it, it's not easy. But it's precious. Turn to Isaiah chapter 40. You know this passage very well. I'm almost done. Verse 28. Well, it's interesting. Isaiah... Has it's been pretty well known that it's it's kind of divided up, much like the entire Bible is divided up. Thirty-nine chapters in the Old Testament, twenty-seven in the New Testament. 
So we get through 39 in Isaiah, then you got 27 more, 66 books, 66 chapters. We start off with what would be the first chapter of the New Covenant, Isaiah 40. Verse 28, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he fainteth not, neither is weary. He doesn't faint and he's not weary. Thank God because I get weary and boy do I ever get tempted to faint. And sometimes I have. There's no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Praise the Lord. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord, those people that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up. It's like an, an, uh, an eagle with wings, it says there. With wings as eagles. They shall mount up. Quite a sight. In our house down here that we lived in, in on American Drive down there, where it was one summer, three or four summers ago, uh, out on a creek behind our house there, there was a bald eagle right there, just right on the other side of our house, just perched up there, just majestic, you know. Eagles are neat. I'm glad God made eagles. They're beautiful, and they're, they're a picture of strength and courage and faith. And that's why he puts them in here like this. He gives them as an example. They shall mount it. When that thing, we just we got right underneath him, and he just stood there, just not intimidated, not afraid, nothing. We got a bunch of pictures. It was neat. And then he just opened up those wings and just started to take off. And uh, it's just a majestic sight. They shall mount up. God is saying. You wait on me and stay at my feet. I'm going to make you like one of those that sits high upon the king, overseeing the kingdom, seeing all the things that I've opened up your eyes to see. And I will allow you the strength and the grace to let you get up and fly. You know, in uh, out in Wyoming, we lived out there for 12 years. It gets windy. Really windy in the wintertime. There's a lot of hawks out there. And I never forget it one time. I, I just uh, watched this one particular hawk on a windy day. And I just watched his behavior, how he handled flying in this wind. First thing he had to do, he, you, you have to face the wind. You have to face it. Oh, that's an illustration there, isn't there? And then all he did was open up his wings. And he let the wind carry him. And he would go up and down and look around. And it would get kind of gusty. He'd kind of shake around a little bit there. But he up there, and that wind was howling. But he just turned around and faced it. 
May we do that when the Spirit of God comes and just desires to fill us to the fullest. Face Him. And in your spirit, just, Lord, open up my wings. Help me to have faith. Open up my wings. And just let you carry me. He will. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They that wait on God, that stay close to His side, sit at His feet, you know, I know this is incredibly simple. This is an amazingly simple message. I understand that. But if we don't get this, we're going to miss it. And we will faint. And if there's anything the enemy wants to try and do is to make you faint and to get you to think otherwise. If he's, well, you know, yeah, maybe man isn't that bad and God isn't that high. Oh, it's a lie. Don't buy it. Stay at the feet of this one, the one that's high and lofty, who spoke the word and everything came into existence. His creation declares that he is. The universe is an amazing declaration that God is. Sam bought a, we've got him a telescope here not too long ago. You know that star that's been coming up on the west and even that bright one there? That's Jupiter, if you didn't know that. And we've been looking at it a few times with that telescope and you see the moon you see that some of the three or four of the moons right it is really neat and you sit back and think, man god is big he's big and he's got promises right here that if you just sit at my feet and wait and draw near to me and take my hand and trust me i will strengthen you i will make you more like me when you get on the other side But you've got to hold on by faith. Like David. I had fainted unless I had believed. He believed. And so therefore he did not faint. He stayed true and stayed awake. And look at the testimony that we have from his life. 3,000 years later. I hope this is an encouragement to you. I hope this came out okay. God bless you. I share this because I love you and I I didn't cry as much as I thought I would. So maybe praise the Lord for that.